Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here, really fun conversation today with Mitch Garretts. Now, you know Mitch, a uh, great artist that has been doing wonderful work currently for DC and Vertigo. He and Tom King created The Sheriff of Babylon. What a wonderful series that is, currently sitting at 12 issues. They're taking a rest from that. Uh, occasionally, Mitch has pitched in on Batman. Uh, did a great two-issue story featuring Batman and Catwoman, a, a real romance story. And then uh, recently, I believe it was issue 23, holy cow, what a great story of Batman and Swamp Thing. A single-issue story, lots of impact, lots of character moments, so much packed into 20 pages. It was very, very impressive. Uh, Mitch, of course, has a life before Tom King. He and Nathan Edmondson uh, did the activity for... Um, image and then also had a nice run on the punisher and now uh you know it's uh mitch and tom because uh, not only are they doing their sheriff of babylon and batman work they're also going to bring back the new gods for dc and are doing a mr mr miracle 12 issue maxi series that starts in august always get excited when there's a tom king maxi series we saw what he did with the vision i can only imagine what these guys are about to do with mr miracle you don't have to imagine Uh, mitch tells us what he can and uh, very excited about it and uh, presenting you this episode of Word Balloon today. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Um, you know, working the part-time job, trying to make ends meet. You guys are really helping out uh, both uh, the program and myself, obviously, personally. If you uh, like what you hear on Word Balloon and think it's worth your while and is it worth the price of a comic book, uh, you can go to wordballoon.com and pick, click on the Patreon ad or you can go directly to patreon.com slash wordballoon. The information is there. And really, thank you very much. I've gotten a few more people that are new. A few people have upped their subscription from what was a dollar to, you know, $4, $5 and stuff. And like I say, if you can afford the price of a comic book, that's great. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you can help the cause and, if, you know, think, again, it's worth your while and it adds to your uh, comic book hobby experience, Thank you very much for your contributions via Patreon or PayPal as well. Thank you, guys and women, for your support. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Man, they got cool books up there right now for InStock Trades. Uh, the first uh, six issues of Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. It's called Going Underground. That's uh, Gerard Way. I want to get this right now. Gerard Way, John Rivera, Mike Oming, Nick Filardi, what a great creative team. It's a very different book. I expect no less from Mike Oming and uh, Gerard Way and, and John Rivera, for that matter, and Nick Villardi. Jesus. I mean, they always do interesting stuff. This book is 50% off. It's just $8.49. You can get Batman Beyond, Escaping the Grave, Dan Jurgens, Bernard Chang, Ryan Sook cover. Great stuff there, 50% off, also $8.49. You can get uh, Captain America, The Return of the Winter Soldier Omnibus. This is where it all began. Ed Brubaker's wonderful run with Steve Epting and uh, and company. Really great stuff. That's 50% off, and it's uh, just $50 for that giant volume. Um, lots of mainstream stuff I'm seeing on the front page here of InStockTrades.com. Uh, Absolute Why the Last Man. Pia Guerra, Brian K. Vaughn. What a beautiful book. What a very important run. Um, this is volume three. And uh, does this? I think this is, yeah, this is the last volume. So this wraps up the story. 50% off. It's just $62.50. Some of the great books that are waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping. And again, just go to InStockTrades.com. Okay, fun announcement before we get to our our conversation with Mitch Gerritz. Good news. I did not think I was going to be able to get to San Diego this year because, um, you know, I'm working the part-time job putting a lot of work into uh, some freelance projects and word balloon money hasn't come in yet. So I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. Well, it turns out that uh, the fine people at Alex Ross art are uh, sponsoring me to go to San Diego to do video for them at their booth at Bill Sienkiewicz's booth. Uh, And we're going to be doing a lot of video interviews and talks about uh, the art that these guys have recently created. You know, Alex is doing really cool work with the Beatles and with, uh, yeah, the Beatles. I'm not kidding. I'm sure you've seen the images. Also, the Universal Monsters, the classic look. And coming off that Tom Cruise Mummy movie, it's nice to see what I always think is what makes those Universal Monsters great. And that's those original movies. 
And I know Alex feels that way, too. I mean, that's the way Dracula is supposed to look with the slick back Bella Lugosi hair. That's the way Frankenstein is supposed to look, either like Boris Karloff or even Glenn Strange. You know what I mean? That's the classic look. Same with the mummy. Well, anyway, uh, those are just his non-comic book uh, paintings. He's been doing a ton of work for Marvel, great cover work recently. And uh, we're going to be talking about it and also uh, doing some great interviews with creators and other great people that will be at San Diego. I'm really looking forward to it. And then also Bill, uh, because he's got a big year coming up. New Mutants is uh, coming to the screen, and Bill's a big part of that. So I can tell you now we're going to be doing a, a panel with Bill Sienkiewicz about New Mutants. And uh, again, talking to him at his booth, uh, they've really gone out. They're going to be these really great uh, kind of museum-style exhibitions of work. Alex's booth is always one of the really, really big booths. It's right across the way from the Marvel booth. You can't miss it. The big, giant uh, banners featuring Alex's art and logo are going to be very distinct. And as we get closer to the show, I will give you booth numbers and all the rest of that information. But uh, thank you, Alex Rossart, for uh, helping me uh, be part of uh, San Diego Comic-Con again and uh, bringing great content to you via Word Balloon and also via these great videos. Very excited as the days get closer, and we're already kind of in crunch time. I mean, it's just over two weeks away. I will be talking on each episode as we lead up to San Diego and letting you know about uh, the fun stuff I'll be doing at Comic-Con via Alex Rossart. All right, without further ado, let's uh, give you our conversation now with Mitch Gerds. It's a wonderful first-time conversation. We get his origin story and uh, really great information on Batman, Mr. Miracle, Swamp Thing, The Punisher, The Activity, and more. Enjoy this conversation with Mitch Gerrits on Word Balloon. This is a real pleasure because I've been a fan for a couple of years now, and uh, I finally get to talk to Mitch Gerrits. Pleasure, dude. Welcome to Word Balloon. No, likewise. I've been a fan for a few years of your show, so thanks for having me. Excellent. I want to get the new uh, series that's coming up out of the way because <laughs> I don't know how much you can talk about it. So, uh, Mr. Miracle coming up in August? Indeed. I'm very excited. Me too, man. I, again, I really love your uh, collaborations with Tom King, and we'll be talking a lot about that in this hour. But um, Oh, great. You know, yeah, so, <laughs> so you tell me how much you can, and then I'll start peppering you with questions. But uh, this has got to – I mean, I, I would imagine you are a Kirby fan, and being, obviously wanting to do this would mean that you're likely a Kirby and New Gods fan. So Yeah, absolutely. I actually – it's funny – because my my start with the character, like I, I Tom always tells the story of how how he came to get the book, and basically he pitched to uh, Dan DiDio that or Dan Dan wanted to give him a project, and uh, you know I asked Tom what do you want to write, what do you want, what do you and Mitch want to do, and Tom basically replied, I don't I don't work that way, or I don't work well that way. How about you give me something to do that nobody really wants or is doing or, you know, kind of a lower, lower tier world and I'll try to do my thing on it. Like, you know, the vision or Omega Men or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Cave Carson yeah. with Young Animal, obviously. With exactly. Way and uh, my buddy Mike Elming. So, no, I get it. And uh, Dan pitched Mr. Miracle right away. I think he pitched Mr. Miracle and the Atomic Knights. Uh, Those are the two separate things. Okay. Yeah. Separate. And thankfully, Tom picked <laughs> Mr. Miracle. <laughs> a little insight on your feelings about the Atomic Knights as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what I could have done with that. But, <laughs> but uh, it's funny because I actually like I have a strong affinity for that character for Mr. Miracle. So oh, yeah. when Tom pitched it to me, I was like over the moon because uh, I'll get into it. Originally. Uh, Tom and I were doing the War of Jokes and Riddles together. It was going to be a separate, outside continuity thing. And uh, it DC loved that concept so much they wanted it in the main book. And so Dan very graciously called us up and was like, hey, uh, Mitch can no longer... Um, we don't want to let Mikkel and uh, David off the hook for eight issues, so is there anything you and Mitch want to do? And that's how that all started. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so we got, so he told me Mr. Miracle. And I remember, I couldn't tell you what age I was, but I was big into the Marshall Rogers uh, Batman issues. And my brother, my brother 
Greg, who's 14 years older than me, he was always big in the comics. And so I was surrounded by comics my whole childhood. And I remember he would shove, you know, the good stuff in front of me and he gave me those Marshall Rogers Batman issues. So then I became a huge Marshall Rogers fan, which then led me to, you know, my brother going, well, he did these, you know, I think four or five issues of Mr. Miracle. And then I fell super in love with those. And then that's when I went back and read all the Kirby stuff. And okay. So like, so it started of with Marshall the, Rogers, not, not Kirby. Yeah, exactly. And of, of all the characters, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't getting to do my Batman story. I was a little bit heartbroken, but of all the characters they could have came back with, they picked the right one. That's really cool. Who, who was writing? I don't even remember. And I mean, likely, I probably read that series back, I'm assuming, in the late 70s or whatever. But I don't even remember who was uh, writing that series of uh, Martin Roberts and Mr. Miracle. I don't even know if I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> I actually have an issue right next to me. Go, go on. Uh, oh, I'd, I'd have to take it out of the uh, bag here. but Oh, nice. I can, I can get you that info in like two seconds. All right. I, I'm going to guess maybe Jerry Conway or who else might it, might it be back then? Man, they didn't make the uh, – the, oh, here we go. John Harkness. I don't even remember John Harkness. That's fantastic. Okay, yeah. cool. I got to look him up, man. That's fantastic. I thought he was just the guy from Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> a little time travel, absolutely, man. That's really interesting. Um, wow. All right, because honestly, I was even going to say, and, and even going back to the possible pitch of the Atomic Knights, you know, when they bring stuff back, a lot of times the inclination is, all right, we got to obviously modernize it and stray a bit from the original design what can we do to make it different or whatever and you know again coming to the character through Marshall Rogers and then obviously you know doing your homework with Kirby and stuff um, you know the great thing about the new gods is you know I, I, I just think you know Kirby's designs they need to look like the new gods you don't want to yeah. update them much exactly and so doing the I've, what's kind of cool and I've said this on Twitter too is that for all intents and purposes, our Mr. Miracle book is a New Gods book. Sure, uh, it's New Gods Rebirth. They're all they're all in there. Okay. And uh, so I've been, you know, I get to draw these characters with, you know, it's me and Tom's book. Uh, it's still in continuity, but I'm getting a lot of leeway. But at the same time, I don't want to change a lot of what Kirby did. Like it's perfect. It's literally perfect. Yeah. So all my changes to costumes and whatnot are. Very minimal. Okay. Interesting. I look forward to seeing them. I, that's, that'll be very cool. And, um, you know, a lot of great artists, and obviously you point out with Marshall Rogers on his brief run on Mr. Miracle. God, I think, you know, um, Walt Simonson's Orion from a couple years ago, yeah. 10 years ago or so, was so good. For and, sure. And, you know, I mean, Jim Starlin, I think, had a, a really good turn with the new guys in the last few years as well. Um, they, they are a wild bunch of characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, th I think a few people, like, talking to people, they're, a lot of people I've talked to, their, their remembrance of the new gods is maybe different than it actually was. So I always tell people, like, go back and read those, those original, like, 11 issues of Kirby New Gods. Yes. Because they are insane. Yes. And they're so good, but they're bananas. They are bananas. Well, and, you know, Kirby, I got it, you know, and I, obviously the man belongs on comics, Mount Rushmore, that's an understatement, and you can't praise him enough. All that said, not the best dialogue guy. Some of the stories are really kind of crazy, uh, but wonderful ideas, really exciting ideas. Yeah, for ideas. sure, and, exactly. Uh, you can't, yeah, you can't take anything away, and it really was like, I think, the beginning of Kirby's Act 3 that even dovetails into that post-DC stuff of, like, Silver Star and some of those other original ideas. Absolutely. And I, and I, don't you think really the New Gods kind of is the foundation of Kirby's Act 3 and all that stuff kind of influenced what came after? Oh, 100%. I mean, you can as you read those issues, you can tell, like, this wasn't just, like, a, a side gig for him. This is something he really put some thought into. How much do you even, like, did you do you go back and read things like the Jack Kirby Collector? And, and read some of these other these interviews that Kirby was doing while he was creating these characters to kind of get a feel beyond the visuals of, of not, maybe what went into uh, you know creating these things. 
maybe not so much on my end. Like I've gone back and reread New Gods and Mr. Miracle, the originals, sure, uh, a few times now, uh, just to kind of like pull things from here and there. But uh, I know Tom has, you know, gone deep down the rabbit hole, so I, cool. I trust him with a lot of that stuff. Very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to save any sort of plot or, or story conversation with Tom because uh, as we're recording this, I'm going to talk to Tom tomorrow night. And, right uh, and if not tomorrow night, then certainly, uh, hopefully before San Diego. But I, I think yeah. I, I think we're cool to talk. Uh, and we're talking, by the way, Independence Day weekend. So uh, as we're, we're getting ready for the fourth and stuff. So, yeah, unless uh, unless something uh, comes up, uh, Tom and I are talking tomorrow night. But, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited for this because, as I say, I've, I've been a, a, a big fan of your guys' collaborations and I'm really excited. Is this a finite series or is it an ongoing? What's going on with that? It's it's 12 issues. So okay. it's a 12 issue maxi. Cool. And uh, the, the cool thing about, like, the, I, you know, like you said, I can't give away a ton of stuff sure. because DC has us on a little bit of lockdown. But Tom and I both like to push that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the cool thing about doing Mr. Miracle with Tom King is that we don't, you know, it, we treat it like sheriff. Like we, we, it's very important to us. It's not just like a, another work for hire gig. Like we really made it something special and something we're like both very excited about. That's really cool. No, I'm I'm very very excited. Um, you know, let's really we'll get to Batman at the end. I, I really enjoy, obviously, your guys' collaboration on uh, on Sheriff of Babylon. Um, what a great twelve issues there, and I really look forward. And I'm glad to know that you guys will get back to it. And I, it's kind of yeah, cool. Absolutely. I think it, I think it's great. I think it's smart too to give the series a rest and let people catch up because this book deserves a wider audience. Honestly. And that's just me stabbing in the dark. I'm, I, don't, I have no cheat sheet to tell me exactly what kind of circula- circulation you guys get. But I know critically. No, 100%. You know, yeah. I know critically it's certainly well received. And it's just as people, I think, get used to you guys collaborating, uh, they're going to obviously reach back. So is there a scheduled time when you guys are going to get back to Sheriff of Babylon? I mean, we keep talking. I mean, Tom has it already written. Good. Uh, uh, we keep talking about doing it after Mr. Miracle. You know, that's a good that's year good. away. Right, so right. we'll, I can't definitively say anything, but like we definitely okay. we're excited to go back and, uh, it, it's, you know, it's Tom King. So it's a cool and unique next season. You, you did, and, and I want to talk a bit about this as well. You, you did Punisher, right? With, and I forget, was it Becky? Who was right? Oh, uh, no, with uh, Nathan Edmondson. Nathan Edmondson. Okay, fine. Yeah. And no, but, you know, great. You know, the wonderful thing about Punisher is, despite the shirt, I mean, that's as close as you get to real world crime. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, was was the prospect of doing international real world uh, intriguing to you? What, what did you like about the prospect of working on Sheriff of Babylon? Oh, my God. Uh, so, Sheriff is like. Or, pardon me, yes. Yeah, it'll. What did I say? <laughs> no, you said Sharon. Okay, good. I'm, I'm just, you know, man, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in my own head. Yeah. Okay, because I'm coming off of like you know two overnight <laughs> traffic uh, oh, no. gigs on radio, so the brain is a little cottage cheesy, but I think so <laughs> no far, problem. It's so very good. <laughs> yeah, no, sheriff is something I'm insanely proud of, and it's. I feel like it's going to be that thing that I'm going to try to chase with every project. Interesting. Uh, but. What what attracted me originally is first Tom um, when I was pitched the idea from Jamie Jamie Rich our editor uh, I was probably two issues away from ending Punisher so nineteen and twenty of Punisher and uh, I had been pitched a few things from other places and Jamie called me up and he had just gotten the gig as you know one of the new higher ups at Vertigo. And he's like, hey, can I pitch you something? I was like, yeah, of course. And so he pitched me a couple of books. And then the last one was, uh, I think he pitched it as, what is it? Uh, Justified meets Homeland. <laughs> I was like, tell me more. Yeah. Uh, and then they're like, Tom King, who I didn't know too well. I knew him from Grayson at the time. Okay. And uh, I really loved Grayson at the time. And I did know a little bit about Tom's background 
through Tom Fowler, and I knew Tom Fowler really liked Tom King, and I'm a big fan of Tom Fowler. So it was the whole like, all right. And then I can, I think I picked up uh, his novel, The A Once Crowded Sky, and I read that, and I was in love. Like I was like, this guy gets me. And uh, Tom and I talked, and we hit it off right away, and discovered that we both. I don't know. Everything with Tom clicks. It's great. It's really great. That's cool. The and and again, as you say, uh, Homeland meets uh, Justified. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. You know. So you know, beyond Google, which is usually the answer I get when I when I ask people about you know trying to capture, you know, uh, an environment that they may not be familiar with and stuff. You know, was beyond Google? Were there other things that you looked at to kind of get the right feel for the book? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, so it. Getting everything right was extremely important to me, uh, especially with Tom's background, because he could tell me if I got it wrong. <laughs> sure. And I didn't want to be the guy who got it wrong. And also, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, the story could be real. It's set in the real world at a real time in a real yeah. place uh, with fictional people who are based on real people. Um, so I felt a need to do service to everything and paramount to the reader if i'm going to give them this real world tale i want them to know this is the world that they live in and uh i i've made i've made contacts through uh starting out with the activity and whatnot of military members and especially a good friend of mine kevin mauer who uh writes non-fiction <clears throat> non-fiction military books and uh, he was actually there in Baghdad at the time Sheriff is supposed to take place. And he knew a lot of embedded journalists. And so he kind of went around. If I had a, a particular scene Tom wrote that maybe was I just couldn't find any info on or anything, he could go to some of those guys and they would come back with awesome pictures they took. They're like, oh, there it is, perfect. And uh, so, yeah, just deep down the rabbit hole. You know, it's, it's beyond Google search. You Google search... And then that leads you to a web page, and then you read that page, which brings you somewhere else. And yeah, it was. I always, I always joked that after sheriff was done, I was just going to send all my therapy bills to Tom. I, I understand. I <laughs> yeah, really, man. No, it's what an insane situation, and and truly, I think you guys really. That's that's a huge part of the story. Is just the audacity of the realism of the situations. That exactly. There. Yeah. And yeah, and I know obviously Tom has lived it, and I every time I read an issue, it's like wow, I can only imagine. And literally, that's where my limitations are. But um, have you heard from any people from the military or even an international audience that that knows the you know terrain? And absolutely, uh, a lot of a lot of military guys have written or come up at conventions who are uh, the thing that. A lot of military guys love is realism in a lot of things in firearms and in anything military related because they've trained so much with that stuff that it's very important to them. Sure. And so, you know, if they're watching a movie or reading a comic book or something and someone's just holding their gun ridiculous, it's, you know, it, it takes them out of it. And it's fine for everyone else, but you know, it's just like anyone if, if you if you know everything about baseball and you watch a baseball movie that doesn't make sense, you can't really care. Like you, you just you. check out. Yeah. yeah. No tools of the trade. Uh, absolutely. Exactly. So a lot of military guys love it for that aspect. Um, I've heard we heard on Twitter uh, from a lot of, of of people from that area of Iraqis and, and and Muslims and stuff from that area who really like loved it and and gave us a lot of a lot of. You know, praise for or for getting things right. And the my favorite thing in the world is, I think it was Boston Comic Con last year. Yeah, where I'm sitting there, you know, telling people all about Batman coming out. I think Sheriff had just ended, and uh, all of a sudden this guy comes up and he starts talking to me. And like uh, 30 seconds into this conversation, he just starts crying, and. Uh, you know, he, I can tell he's a, he's a Middle Eastern man, and I stand up and like I'm talking to him, and he hugs me, and he tells me just how much it meant that I respected that me and Tom respected everything that he holds dear in that book from his home, and like 
that that ruined me for a few days in the best way. Yeah. No, that's amazing, man. I, uh, I like I said. I mean, it really does. You you get in that world, and you guys immerse us in that environment, and it's it's like no other book. And I mean, I've read the Nam back in the day, and. Uh, certainly, I love the great Kenniger and Kubert uh, army books and things, and they have their own style and, and sense of story and everything. But yeah, it's just uh, again, uh, each war and unfortunately each international situation has its own story and has its own you know variables in it. And you guys are just yeah, it's it's just oh my god, it's incredible. Now regarding the weapons and the hardware and stuff like that, uh, I'm friends with Tim Bradstreet. And are you and not to get too personal because it's your own no. business, but like, do you have you know, do you have weapons? Do you, I mean, you know, just to obviously even you know get it right or anything like that? How do, how do you handle uh, weaponry and some of the tools? Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, so in my family, well, I'm the, a little little background. So I'm the only member of my family besides my mom, uh, of my two brothers and my dad who work who. I'm the only one who hasn't been in the military in some aspect. Wow. Okay. And so I kind of grew up around that respect for it. And then also uh, my family were from Minnesota and big hunters. The whole family sure. is a hunter, fisherman galore. <laughs> um, and so I, I always grew up around that and grew up around around firearms but like hunting rifles and stuff like okay. that that only came out for that one week a year when you go hunting <laughs> and uh I, it's funny i went through all the classes and everything to carry a rifle when i was a kid to go out for my first year of hunting and i went out for one year and i never went back again i was just bored it was just boring to me <laughs> but uh so I, I always had this kind of love and affinity uh for military stories and so then when I started doing the activity with Nathan and we got to actually like meet a lot of these guys, that was big for me. And, uh, it, it, it changed a lot of my perception on things. And uh, like originally the activity, we started that as kind of a mission impossible, kind of larger than life thing. And we created something in issue two. I don't know, but we got a letter from someone in the army who was like hey really cool how you did that thing we have and we're like what are you talking about we just made that up and he's like no we have that and like that's when it hit us that like oh truth is way better than fiction in this realm uh so we at that point it just became all about reality and i i got really into the movement of those guys and learning about that and I actually went and there was an amazing facility back when I lived in Minnesota called Sealed Mindset. And it was a a firearms and uh, safety and home protection and all these things kind of facility ran by uh, ex-Navy SEAL who was injured and this was his way of continuing his fight was to teach people to how to protect themselves. And so I interviewed him for something and got really into his facility and started taking classes there and learning about things from him and uh what was super cool about that that facility though is that it was extremely safe and it was extremely focused on the responsibility of all these things which i loved so that's what i grew up around and you know these, these things are dangerous like if you don't know how to handle them you shouldn't be handling them sure and uh so i i kind of Grew, I wouldn't say a love, but a definitely uh, an affinity for for firearms and shooting from doing the comics and learning more about that. And uh, I still I I have a few firearms, but I use them for going to the range every so often, which has been next to no lately with all the deadlines. But uh, uh, it yeah, I just a bunch of classes, and it was it was fun to learn. You know, just a different skill set. Because I sit here and I, I draw comics all day, and it was really fun to go do something at night that taught me something completely different. Very cool. You know, forgive me because obviously there are so many books on the shelves. Never read the activity, and I'm oh no problem. And I'm looking. Yeah. I appreciate that, but I'm I am. I'm, uh, so tell me about that collaboration. Is that how you and Nathan first got together? Yeah, I think Nathan cold called me. Uh, 
one day and we just he was just like hey i like your stuff from uh i was a part of the comic tort blog uh with a bunch of a bunch of guys at the time who it's really cool because now we look at the guys who were involved on this art blog and they're all everyone kind of made it we're all go through doing the names, something in I know, comics i know somni was part of that yeah. and i know fowler somni, was part of that tom and fowler uh my buddy steve bryant used to throw steve stuff bryant, up there Francesco Francavilla, uh, Mitch Breitweiser, yes, um, yeah, Doc Shaner, yes, of course, Evan, uh, absolutely, Mike Hawthorne, yes, uh, hilarious, yeah. So all these all these guys who I, we were just at the right place at the right time, I guess. And uh, so he saw my stuff on that, and we just got to talking about like, oh, you know, it'd be fun to work on something. We don't know what, and through that conversation, we ended up talking about uh, the unit. The TV show, I think it was CBS. Yes, I uh, love that show. Great. Yeah, show. it was you know like a, a Delta Force show, and uh, we both just talked about how much we love that show, and eventually it led to like, hey, we should just do that in comic book form, but we didn't want to do Delta because it's kind of we felt it was overdone. Sure, uh, it's kind of everyone's go-to for a secret, you know, group. And so I think Nathan did his, his little bit of research and found this obscure kind of direct action intelligence group out of the CIA, or out of the Army based on the CIA. And that's where the intelligence support activity is the name of that group. And so we just shortened it to the activity and did a fictitious group within that. That's awesome. Three three volumes of that. Yeah, yep. 16 Very, issues. Yeah. That's excellent, man. Very, very cool. What were you doing before the activity and, and comic twerp? Uh, I was doing, so I started out doing uh, kids' cereal boxes for General Mills, uh, Tricks and Lucky Charms. Hilarious. And Cookie Crisp, yeah. And uh, it totally makes sense going right from that to Sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and obviously to model and style yeah. guide for those things. And very different exactly. from, your, from your, uh, your own art style and everything. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but so I started out doing that and the, that job, we lost the General Mills account. And so everyone on the General Mills team got let go, including me. And I was like, all right, well, I can either fill out some more resumes and get another graphic design illustration job, or I can try this comics thing, which I wanted to do since I was two years old. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And, that's kind of when everything happened at the same time, uh, comic tort, and then that led to I became a colorist doing Stanley's Starborn at Boom. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, absolutely. With Kari Randolph and Chris Roberson. Very cool, excellent. And yeah, and then I did a couple uh, Doctor Who annuals. Those were my first like full art things. Oh, excellent! What kind of which, then, which iterations of Doctor Who did you draw? Uh, the both the 11th Doctor. Excellent. Very good. So it was the 2011-2012 annuals from IDW. So is that Matt Smith? Yep. I'm trying to remember doing the math. Okay, good deal. Yep. Right. It was Matt Smith writing the first one, and then the second one I did was written by Tony Lee. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. And then uh, from that, I went to uh, the activity. That was straight into the activity, and then I did 16 issues of that, and 20 issues of The Punisher, and then on to Sheriff. And, and here we are. Batman. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic, man. Now I really I'm I'm looking forward to reading uh, the activity. That's excellent because yeah, I liked I really liked your uh, your run on Punisher with Nathan. It was very good. And, right on. Thank you. Absolutely, man. And uh, you know, as as we uh, transition to Batman, um, I think it's really interesting. I like these like accent single issue interludes that you seem to get on the on the run. And uh, you know now yeah. now was that because. Uh, you know, Tom knew you really wanted to draw Batman, and this was a way to get you in. And and really, all three uh, art teams, uh, as far as Batman goes and stuff. I mean, it's it's really great. And honestly, I congratulate all you guys because what a tough act to follow in Snyder and Capullo oh, and everybody. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, man. No, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. Really, the only thing I can think of is when um, you know Meltzer was asked to come in after uh, Kevin Smith on Green Arrow. And it's like, yeah. you know, and I know talking to you guys, you know, in deep background and stuff, it's like, yeah, the last thing I want to do is follow everyone's beloved run on <laughs> Comic X because immediately it's going to be, oh, 
boo. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not the guys we've been loving for the last year or two years or whatever. And Jesus, in the case of Snyder and Capullo, it's several years. So, yeah. But it's, it's still great. It's and cool. I was, you know, I was thrilled that, you know, you guys just picked it up and just kept running. Yeah. And I think what's cool about Tom getting that book is I don't get the, the feeling that Tom went into that book thinking that he was under a shadow or anything. I think Tom was just like, oh, hell, I get to write Batman. Like, how amazing is that? And, uh, you know, Tom just went and did Tom's thing, and it's been so much fun. That's great, man. And again, yeah, so, like, were you brought in because Tom knew you wanted to do this, or, like, how did how did your issues get, like, oh, great, this is good, these guys are going to need a break anyway, it'd be great to get somebody in to do these kind of how many how many issues of batman have you done there's been we're up to like 20 okay that's what i thought i was going to say there's only been like 24 25 issues since rebirth started so yeah so so originally i was supposed to go from issue 12 of sheriff after a little break and then into the second season of sheriff number 13 okay and uh i remember i wrote or wrote or called jamie and tom and i was like hey guys like i'm beyond excited to keep this book going it's the the best thing that's ever happened in my career i'm in love with it etc but if i have to if i have to keep drawing these super depressing you know military scenes like i'm gonna snap like three issues into this next arc like i'm gonna fall behind it's just gonna get bad like, i need to do something different and uh tom had gotten the batman gig at the time and he's like well, we need to fill in on the Swamp Thing issue of Batman. I was like, perfect. Insane. Awesome. And so I was slated to do that. And then I think right before I was going to start it, like I had just gotten the script. I got a call uh, from Mark Doyle, who was the editor at the time, saying, hey, would you like to do two issues of Batman? And I was like, of course I would. I'm like, well, here's the kicker. Uh, it kind of fell through on the issue before you, so you're going to do both 14 and 15, <laughs> and the deadline difference is a week. I was like, um, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I remember being like, I don't know, man, like as much as I want to do it. And I think Tom got into the mix and he's like, dude, it's, it's, it's me and you. Like, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. And I was like, you're right. You're Tom. You get it. That's and sure enough, I think I turned it in like two days early. Oh, that's great, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Tom and I just click, and he, he did me a service, too. Like, we decided to move that Swamp Thing issue to a later date and just turn the Catwoman thing into a two-part. And so we did that. And uh, it. I think he was really happy with that, too, because as we know how things have transpired – our two issues really got to set that up. And I don't think with without the two issues Tom and I did, I don't think, you know, the, the new big marriage proposal reveal would have landed as good as it did. Yeah, man. No, it's, you know, uh, going back to Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee's hush, we got really good, strong, you know, relationship moments and stuff. And that's certainly during New 52. Um, we had a hot we had a hot sex scene. And then, you know, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> and, and it got really, you know, nasty and resentful and stuff. And certainly the things that Tom was building leading up to the two issues were really interesting with, mm-hmm. with Bruce and Selena. But yeah, now, you know, first, the, first of all, those two issues, yeah. I mean, really so poetic in both the text and the art. I mean, it really was this beautiful rooftop, you know, interlude. And, and then, of course, you know, the case of, uh, and I for, I'm forgetting her name, uh, Selena's uh, friend. Holly. Holly, of course. Shame yeah. on me from the Brubaker uh, run, you know, and I'm sure others as well. And going back, obviously, to even year one, I suppose. Year one, yeah, yeah, yep. So, I mean, uh, no, it was really great, and showing the complexities of the relationship, and just those great rooftop scenes that you can only really do with Batman and Catwoman in that way. Um, yeah, and I discovered after doing twelve issues of super serious. You know, mind melting sheriff. That I really love doing romance comics. This is so much fun. <laughs> that's great, man. Yeah. Well, you guys are. It's great. I mean, that's the thing. It really was. It's this really beautiful interlude after that intense Suicide Squad uh, kind of 
mission and everything, and with Brown's Tiger and Bane and everybody, and it was, yeah, it was just this this really powerful kind of you know character driven thing, and and you conveyed yeah. in the art as much as as Tom did in the story and everything. Well, and it, that's I mean that's the number one reason I love working with Tom so much is that beyond us just clicking and stuff, every time he sends me a script, like I really feel like I get to be doing something special. Like I don't know if it's just because he writes them that way and everyone loves him or if it just clicks with my sensibilities or what, but every you know, even you know, two issues of Batman and Catwoman kissing or one issue of uh, a swamp thing murder mystery, like it all felt at the same time, it felt like serious and important, but also fun. And I, I, I'm such a fan of Tom's. Like I, I hate giving him a bigger head than he has, but <laughs> no, it's cool. It's it, they're they're real honestly. And and don't get me wrong, Finch does great. And I'm forgetting how to pronounce. Uh, is it Danny? Is Danny or who, who's the who's the who's the other uh, one? Finch. Uh, uh, Mikel. Oh, Mikel. Excuse me. Is it Danny? Is it is Mikel his last name or? Uh, Mikkel Janine. Mikkel Janine. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yep. No, everybody on the art team is is you know kicking ass and they're and they're excellent stories and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. It it seems like you know, and it certainly uh, Finch got to do, like you said, the latest issue with the proposal and everything, and that's a big emotional romance moment and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I think I think those two issues are just really gorgeous. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they're collected. I, you know, I don't know if they sequentially have already been part of the second trade or anything like that. Yeah, yeah they're both in uh, the back of the I Am Suicide trade. Oh, okay, there you go. All right. yeah. And then they're also the last two issues of there's a big deluxe 1 through 15 hardcover coming out. That They're the last two. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Okay, very good. Yeah. But, well, let's talk about that Swamp Thing issue because, holy shit, that's a great, <laughs> a different kind of emotional punch. And it was so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun doing that book. Well, they, you know, really, God, that that double page spread of just them sitting in the study at Wayne Manor, and literally Swamp Thing pouring his heart out to to Bruce and everything, and just Alfred kind of being there and stuff. Great money shot, man. God, I don't know whoever's going to want. I don't know if you're going to hang out of that <laughs> when you sell it or I'm, whatever. I'm actually all digital, so really, I. I as soon as these issues come out, especially Batman of all things, I just I just watch money fly into the air as everyone on Twitter writes me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I wonder too from Comic Twart if you know, um, you know, yeah, that you know how well. And again, you're probably doing it digitally. You were doing it digitally there too, I guess. No, I actually I switched to all digital about halfway through Punisher. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. What do you use? What are your tools? Uh, I have a. I, at the time, I had the Cintiq Companion, and now I have the Mobile Studio Pro. Cool. Uh, so the reason I actually went digital, it's different than in most people's reasons. Um, I, I was just really sick of being in my studio, which was a separate room, and my wife would come home from work, and we'd say hi and stuff, and then she would go watch TV, and I'd leave the room and go to my room. And it was just, you know, like, we're in the same house, and I don't get to see you. And so I kind of did some research and discovered they have this... Cintiq Companion, which is its own complete, you know, computer itself, so you can work from anywhere. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's made for travel. I was traveling from my studio to the couch, uh, but now I was able to sit on the couch with my wife and actually get work done and enjoy our time together, and that was super important for me. And at, just from doing that, I just became really into working digital, and I love it now. That's excellent, man. I remember flying back from San Diego years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, and it was me, Mike Norton, and Tim Seeley, and Norton just, you know, doing Power of Shazam on his portable Cintiq and everything, and it was yeah. while we're flying. And it was Mike yeah. and Tim are like two of my favorite people. <laughs> They're good guys. They're local guys. They're my buds. They, um, I was going to ask, too, when you when you said that you were able to make that short deadline and everything, do you, I mean, are you, and I don't even know if now with digital you're even faster, but yeah, I mean, are you, do you think you're a fast artist compared to other guys that you know and women? Um, it's funny, like, I don't know if I'm, I guess I am, because I do pencils, inks, and colors, and I tend to, I always hit my deadlines, uh, it's very important to me, 
Um, I do have a kid coming on the way, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That's, I was going to ask. <laughs> Thank you. All right, that's great. <laughs> Uh, but I, I guess I'm fast. I don't know if I consider, like, I don't sit there and go, God, I'm just nailing this, I'm fast. But uh, I think so much of it has to do, again, with working with Tom, because Tom, the way he writes scripts, it's very, um, he's very aware of panels and how they convey time and the passage of time which I think is right in sync with my natural storytelling sensibilities. So when he writes a script, like, I see it immediately, and I see I, I get what he's trying to say, so we can do a lot of things uh, with people moving within the same background for effect and moving out of frame and all these little, like, you could call them tricks, but I'm not doing them to save time or to trick the reader or anything. I'm doing them because, like, that's my storytelling sensibility. I really think, like... That the way Tom, especially that nine panel grid, you know, you can show people moving through that same space, and uh, it's really effective, I think. Interesting. Okay. Tell me about the color palette you chose for the Swamp Thing story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, you know, it's Batman, so I kind of took a little, a little from my 14 and 15, but I knew I needed to overhaul the blues and make it more green. Uh, just to stick with a thematic element. And so everything kind of got a little green and a little yellow. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, kind of just followed. I, I was Coloring for me, it's my favorite part of the process. Um, it's where the art stops being lines and stops being art, really, and becomes a movie to me. Sure. Uh, because I get to add the atmosphere. I get to, in Sheriff, I could... I could make people feel, you know, the heat and the, the lack of moisture and the sand. and Absolutely. That stuff's all very important and super fun to me. Yeah. No, yeah, and you're right. My God, it totally comes through on Sheriff. Um, yeah, and I just think, too, as a contrast to the, the Catwoman uh, two issues and stuff, again, a lot of nighttime scenes, a lot of rooftop scenes and stuff, and this... Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a procedural that, that the two are going through, but really, I... I um, you know, yeah, there's just more broad daylight happening in in this yeah. one, it seems, than compared to the Catwoman stories. Well, it's it's so much fun just playing with Gotham and kind of doing your own spin on Gotham. And people forget there is a daytime at some point in Gotham. Uh, <laughs> the also Swamp Thing and showing emotion through Swamp Thing and the angst that he's going through in this story and God if people haven't picked up that issue they've got to because well, uh, yeah man no it's honestly both of you that's why I mean I think in the Catwoman story it's these two great issues and so strong and so emotional and it's it really is a pleasure to read a really good one issue you know done in one story and yeah. you know I talked to for the first time I talked to Paul Dini at the end of the year and was just going back to that one issue of Detective Comics that he and Don Kramer did where uh, the Joker has uh, Tim Drake all tied up and they're driving around in some big 4x4 four four or something like that. And it's, you know, a Christmas issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah, and it's like this is a great one-punch, like, God, I miss, you know, the, you know the, that it's a compact story, but it really has a lot of resonance and good deep character moments, and it's just great. And that's how I felt reading that Swamp Thing story. And again, seeing it as much as reading it. Um, like you said, you're setting the mood with, the, you know, in a, in a movie sort of atmosphere with the colors and things. And yeah, again, going back to Swamp Thing, just his, uh, like I said, I mean, that's a weird face. That's a tough face to kind of convey emotions with. <laughs> it is. Uh, character acting is, is so important to me. Um, it's My process is also a little weird. I'm all digital, but also... Just how I do comics is very different. Um, I don't really have a, a penciling stage. Um, what I do is I shoot insane photo reference of me doing all sorts of stupid things. <laughs> um, and I real, I act out every character, every scene, and, and I really get in kind of into their heads. And then I kind of take the best of all that and make kind of a Photoshop collage 
and then that becomes kind of my underlayer, and then I do my drawing right on top of that to kind of pull in those necessary character acting moments. And uh, so doing Swamp Thing was really fun because I got to make all these stupid faces and act like an idiot in front of a camera. <laughs> I would love to see some of those pictures. Because he, <laughs> no, you don't. Well, but that's the thing. The shape of his face, the shape of his mouth, or if there is a mouth. I mean, it's this weird I, – I don't even know how to how to describe it without getting like uh, – honestly, it shows you where my psychology is. So I'm like, wow, that's, that's a different piece of anatomy on a face rather than where I'd normally put it. <laughs> and I'm not sure about the gender, frankly. And I'll just leave it at that and everyone can connect the dots. That's the kind of mouth and face that, and it, I mean, no, that's the Swamp Thing face. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, nope. it's not, <laughs> you know, it's okay, Doctor. I, I'm, I think, I'm not crazy that, you know, I'm, from Bernie Wrightson to all the great Swamp Thing, you know, Tottleton and all the other great artists, uh, Veach, you know, so I get yep. it, man. That's, that's the face. For sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, that's, you know, and I really love, that was one of the good things I think about New Fifty because I think it started. Yeah, it definitely did in New Fifty Two. I love the juxtaposition now, where finally it is Alex or Alec inside yeah. inside yep. the body and stuff, and it is it's a more human Swamp Thing, and it still exactly. works. And it and it's great because you know for so long there was only one way to do Swamp Thing, and everyone ex- accepted it. But each iteration, as much and great writers and great artists doing it, and. You know, I mean, from Mark Miller to, uh, you know, Phil, Phil uh, Hester and, uh, yeah, you know. Scott Snyder again. Exactly. Scott Snyder during New 52. Wonderful stuff. And, uh, well, and again, he's the one who kind of rebooted it. But I think the stuff leading yeah. up to New 52 was really tough in terms of, well, we got to do it this way because this is where we've come from, certainly since the anatomy lesson back in the day when Alan Moore kind of did a 180 on the character. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah, no, it's. He's in a really neat place, and I, I look forward to talking about this with Tom as well. But that's the thing. I, I like that even though we're in this rebirth mode, that their relationship is pretty much still the same relationship since day one. And you know, and, and that it's it's certainly now it is a little different. And and again, the way the way the issue ends too. Oh my god, what a I really I mean that's the thing, man. It was just this great emotional punch in Well that's what I love about that about that issue is that it's incredibly moving and emotional and really dark at times, but also it's, I think it's the funniest issue of Rebirth so far. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how Tom pulled that one off, but that's interesting. there's there some points in that book where I was drawing it, just laughing while drawing the stupid thing. <laughs> how do you cast some of the, like, do we know some of these, I mean, I know Kite Man, obviously, but some of these other villains that pop up while they're kind of tracing the case and stuff like that. I mean, are some of these original ideas and original characters? I know. So, in, yeah, in issue 14, when that big, the, you know, the rooftop, every villain's getting punched scene, is that what you're talking about? No, I meant the um, huh. I meant the gun runner in uh, the Swamp Thing issue. And, oh, and gotcha. also yeah. And the guy who ultimately, you know, uh, has the greatest involvement with Swamp Thing's father. Yeah. So uh, the gun runner guy, Nat the Nat, uh, that's an original King Garrett's creation. Funny. Uh, we we hope he comes back somewhere. Yeah. Um. Uh, but then the uh, it's funny the uh, on that same page the pawn shop owner as soon as that issue hit I got everyone talking about like dude you drew guy Fieri. absolutely That's awesome. I was thinking the same thing man and it, it was not on purpose <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to draw like I was like oh I'm gonna make like a you know what is it a zebra print wearing you know kind of seedy pawn shop owner and then how, the issue came out and everyone kept saying that and I opened it up I'm like. Oh snap! I just drew Asian guy Fieri, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Swamp Thing's dad is obviously a little you know, nod of the head to someone. I can't really. Okay. You know who? <laughs> I don't know. You might have to tell me off the air because I really I, I don't know who actually. And also the uh, okay. the guy at the end. Um, I don't know if you want. Oh, headhunter. What's that? He's an actual headhunter. Yeah. Is he an old yeah, Batman he's an actual uh, old Batman villain. I think from the eighties, I believe. Okay, I don't remember. Yep. So that was interesting. Okay. 
That's hilarious. Are you? Do you want to divulge who Swamp Thing's father is based on, or no? Well, I mean, it was it was a tip of the hat to Alan Moore. Oh, that's funny. Okay, honestly, yeah. I didn't see it as Alan Moore. That's very interesting. Okay, that's really funny. Okay, I I don't know why I think I, I always think of Alan with even more crazy hair and longer hair and stuff. Well, I I purposefully had to make him not. An exact right. representation. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, exactly. Great. Well, don't worry. I don't think Alan Moore listens to podcasts, let alone word balloons. Specifically, <laughs> so I won't worry about that. Well, no, it, it was meant to be. That's, I think, the the funny thing is, it was meant to be a very positive tip of the hat, and then later we kind of realized, like, oh, this guy gets shot in the face. Like, I, you know, we we meant nothing by that. No, it's well, of course, no, I and I understand, and I certainly hope that yeah, everyone takes it as the 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 tip of that as as it was intended to be. But man, no, it was that was great, and then yeah, just um. So what was the eighties? Uh, what was his name again? The guy at the end, uh, headhunter. Headhunter. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, that was grisly. <laughs> An appropriate swap thing, sort of. Yeah, I was. I was. I turned that issue in. And for about two days, I was just like waiting for an email of like, yeah, we need to change how this went down. And it never happened. I was like, all right, way to go, DC. You let me, you let me do something pretty gruesome in a Batman book. That's, that's fantastic. Is, and again, I don't want, I'm not looking for dirt, but is there a philosophical difference? Who was your editor at Marvel on uh, Punisher? Uh, Jake Thomas. Okay. And, and you got Jamie for Sheriff. And you yep. and you had Mark Doyle for Batman. Who's your current Mark uh, Batman editor? Yes. Yeah. So uh, Mark Doyle was the editor for my two issues, fourteen and fifteen, the rooftops issues. And then actually, Jamie became our Batman editor with that Swamp Thing issue. Oh, great. Okay. Unfortunately, our conversation ended uh, there because. Uh, I had a little burp in my system, and uh, I thought everything was recording fine. I tested everything, but I only got my side of uh, Mitch's last couple minutes. You didn't miss much. Basically, he let us know he's not going to be doing uh, conventions this year. He's got the baby on the way, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, he just talked about how great it is that his Vertigo editing team, including Jamie Rich, is now uh, editing uh, he and uh, Tom on Mr. Miracle. So that's pretty cool. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think they're an excellent team, and I'm really excited about what's coming up with Mr. Miracle. And uh, certainly the, the times that Mitch in the future might dip in on Batman. It sounds like he's going to be busy for the next 12 months with Mr. Miracle. But that said, uh, they're a great team, and I'm, I'm really, really excited anytime these guys get together on a book. And, of course, when Mr. Miracle is done, more Sheriff of Babylon coming up. So can't wait for the continuation of uh, the collaboration between Tom King and Mitch Garretts. Good news, Tom King is on the schedule to talk to me on Word Balloon. Uh, I might have mentioned it in the interview that we're, as of this recording, as I'm putting out the episode, uh, Tom and I are talking tonight, so likely early next week you'll hear that conversation with Tom King. We'll get his side of the story. But great talking to Mitch Garretts on today's Word Balloon. Today's Word Balloon brought to you by Alex Ross Art. Thank you very much, uh, guys, for uh, helping me get to San Diego. I'm really excited to be uh, working for them at San Diego, doing some video interviews at Alex's booth and Bill Sienkiewicz's booth to uh, do some really fun content about what they're working on now and what's coming up in the future. Uh, Very, very excited. And again, we'll give you more information as we get closer and closer to Comic-Con. But thanks a lot, Alex Rossart, for sponsoring Word Balloon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, there are really cool Mitch Gerd's uh, In Stock Trades books that are available at great prices. Things like The Activity. I see volume free, three up here. Uh, the, the final uh, five issues from 12 to 16. I think that's right. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yes, that is five. Uh, let's see. 42% off. It's just $9.85. You can get volume two of The Sheriff of Babylon, uh, which is Pow, Pow, Pow. He and Tom King, 42% off. It's currently $9.85. Some of his Punisher work, like, uh, again, Volume 3, Last Days, Nathan Edmondson and uh, Mitch Gerrits. It's uh, 45% off. It's $13.74. So that's just some of the great stuff that you can find from uh, Mitch and, uh, and company at In Stock Trades. Check it out for yourself. You'll also, here's another one Volume 2 of Punisher, Border Crossing. 45% off, $9.89. So pretty neat, man. I, I think you got to jump on this stuff and jump on a bunch of books at InStockTrades.com where there are great books at great prices. 
Uh, and don't forget, your orders of $50 or more receive free shipping. Check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. I'm so sorry that it's been so long since I've had a new episode. Things just got really, really busy on uh, the radio side uh, at the end of June, They, which is good because I'm part-time, and all of a sudden they need me for a lot more hours, almost full-time hours, for a week, which was nice. Um, but uh, I, the good news is I've got some great interviews coming up. July will be a big month. You know, I had six episodes in June, so I did have more than four. Uh, and I will uh, likely do the same here in July. Lots of activity before Comic-Con and certainly activity after Comic-Con. But uh, some of the names you can look forward to. Victor Santos is coming up. My uh, very good buddy Shane White, who created the Word Balloon logo, has an amazing sci-fi fun adventure with uh, very, very attractive women and very cool robots. But it's a very cool adventure series. I look forward to bringing you that uh, conversation. Bron is uh, the name of his uh, robot. And uh, also uh, Tom King, like I said. So that's just the beginning of July. And I know that a lot more is coming up. But the March to San Diego has begun. And uh, getting ready for you with uh, great conversations as we lead up to the con. Until next time, thanks for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017.